Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon. Welcome in. Steve Jones Show, News Radio 1070 WKOK. And Sean Carey here. No matter where you are, we hope you're having a terrific day. Glad you carved out some time for us. Whether you're listening to us live on News Radio 1070 WKOK or as the podcast, you can subscribe to our Steve Jones Show podcast on the Apple Podcast app, iTunes, Google Play. And also, you can go to our podcast page at stevejonesshow.com. We've got a couple of months of shows archived in there, as well as uh, the first appearance about a month and a half ago from Brad Spider Caldwell. That's the longtime equipment guy for Joe Paterno and Penn State football. And he's going to be making a return appearance to the Steve Jones Show later this week, since the Nitty Lions will be wearing their retro uniforms on Saturday, Indiana, 3.30 kick, 2 p.m. airtime here on WKOK. Uh, Spider played a big role as to the look of the retro jerseys and out and, uh, overall uh, football uniforms that the team will be wearing on Saturday, so we will learn more uh, about that from Spider uh, later this week. Looking for uh, him to be on with us Thursday. But of course, lots of show to get to uh, between now and then. Uh, looking forward to having on today Neil Kulong, the NFL writer from USA Today Sports. Make his weekly appearance, talk about the Steelers and that upset loss in overtime to the Bears. And next up for Pittsburgh will be their rivals, the Baltimore Ravens. Steelers head to Baltimore on Sunday. That'll be 11 a.m. airtime, kickoff 1 p.m. over on 100.9 The Valley. And Dave Rebson, the Rever, Big Ten Network, scheduled to join us today as well. Now, looking ahead to tomorrow's show, the longtime Penn State writer for the Reading Eagle, Rich Scarcella. Rich will be back on to join us. And a great longtime friend of Steve's, Wheels, Chris Wheeler, the longtime Philadelphia Phillies broadcaster on both the radio and TV networks, now the ambassador for the baseball team. So if Wheels check in tomorrow... Get his take on this past season and the overall optimism that's heading into uh, the 2018 season for the Phillies. Uh, speaking of the Phillies, uh, tonight they've, uh, well, they, were, they thought they were going to see Bryce Harper in the other dugout last night as they were starting their series with the Washington Nationals. Uh, Harper's been out of the lineup since August the 12th, the bone bruise in his knee and a left calf strain, but has been battling the flu lately. So that kept him out of the lineup for another day. So it's possible tonight uh, Harper could be back in the lineup when Washington and the Phillies will play their second game of three at Citizens Bank Park. But the Nationals did improve 
with a record of 26 and 16 with Bryce Harper out of the lineup. They defeated the Fightins last night 3 2 1. And your starting pitchers tonight uh, Gio Gonzalez uh, for the Nationals. And they needed three wins in their final six to tie the franchise's single season record. Gonzalez 15 and 7. This will be his final postseason tune up. And the left-hander will go up against Philly's right-hander, Jake Thompson, 2-2 two two with a 4.14 ERA. We'll have that for you tonight here on WKOK. we got 6.30 airtime tonight for On Deck with Jim Jackson. And then 7.05 first pitch with Scott Fransky and Larry Anderson here on WKOK. Big news in college basketball today. FBI is involved with this. And you bring in the FBI... Nine chances out of ten. Maybe ten chances out of ten. It's not a good thing. But four basketball coaches, assistant basketball coaches, from USC, Oklahoma State, Auburn, and Arizona, were among those arrested today on federal corruption charges. They were caught taking thousands of dollars in bribes to steer NBA-destined college stars towards certain sports agents and financial advisors. Coaches named in court documents are Auburn's Chuck Person, Oklahoma State's Lamont Evans, Emmanuel Richardson from Arizona and Tony Bland from Southern Cal. Not immediately clear who would represent them in initial court appearances. Also charged in Manhattan Federal Court were managers, financial advisors, and representatives of a major international sportswear company. According to June Kim, the U.S. attorney with the Southern District of New York, there was a press conference today. Uh, Kim said for the 10 charged men, the madness of college basketball went well beyond the big dance in March. Month after month, the defendants exploited the hoop dreams of student athletes around the country, allegedly treating them as little more than opportunities to enrich themselves through bribery and fraud schemes. NCAA spokeswoman Gail Dent, when asked for a statement, quote unquote, nothing on this end. We'll let you know if that changes. Now, one of the people that was involved as a cooperating witness has ties to Pennsylvania. His name is Martin Blazer, a former Pittsburgh financial advisor. He was accused of swindling $2.35 million from clients. From five clients by the Securities and Exchange Commission. He's a cooperating witness who helped the FBI in that investigation. Blazer founded Blazer Capital Management. He was accused of investing money into movies and entertainment ventures without clients' knowledge earlier this decade, the three-year stretch. As part of the plea agreement with the U.S. Attorney's Office, Blazer agreed to plead guilty to securities fraud, aggravated identity theft, false statements and documents, and two counts of wire fraud. That was according to a cooperation agreement from September the 19th. In other charges, Blazer was accused of a scheme to commit wire fraud in or about 2000 to 2013, making payments and loans to NCAA athletes in order to induce the student athletes to retain the defendant as a financial advisor and or business manager. Some people have popped on social media saying, you know, we're not really surprised this is going on. But I think when they <laughs> you see the FBI getting involved, that definitely turns some heads for sure. So we'll keep you posted as more information comes out on that. Earlier today, the Pittsburgh Steelers had their weekly press conference. 
Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin. Of course, the Steelers have been in the news quite a bit, especially since the uh, right before the kickoff of the uh, Bears game at Soldier Field on Sunday when the Steelers players uh, did not come out onto the field uh, for the national anthem. And Tomlin spoke to the media uh, in regards to that. He said, going forward, going to minimize questions about demonstrating during the national anthem. In regards to the anthem, um, you know, these are divisive times. Um, I've been very proud that our team uh, has always been a team that's been respectful of the anthem. We've had 1%, 100% uh, participation uh, in the anthem uh, since this, all of these things started. Um, obviously, our guys have opinions regarding social injustice and so forth, um, but they never use that as a platform. Tomlin says his players are always in the surrounding community trying to make a difference and are respectful of the military and the flag. We're a group that's not interested in making statements. We're a group that's interested in in making impacts, uh, things that we feel strongly about. Uh, We give of ourselves and our free time particularly. Um, Tuesday's a big day for that. Uh, It has been for us. Our guys are in the community as we speak. They have been. Um, the things that they're passionate about, they're, they're involved in. And um, I'm sure their communities can attest to that. And Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin at his weekly press conference earlier today in Pittsburgh. Mm. Well, it's uh, an interesting time, isn't it? We'll talk about everything except the game. So... Oh, well, you know, they got the Ravens this week. It's Ravens week. Big rivals. They certainly, they certainly did not. I mean, the Steelers certainly did not act like a team the other day that had their head screwed on straight playing the game. I mean, at some point, you do have to do your job, right? Isn't there at some point you're supposed to? Don't you think? Yeah. Like run the ball and stop the run. And neither one of those, they didn't do all that well on Sunday. Now, give the Bears credit. They played well, but why do the Steelers have a tendency to play down to certain opponents? Why? This has been a recent problem for them. 5-13 and 13 against teams 500 record or lower this decade. I mean, that's a remarkable number. I know. I mean, but the thing is, I think it's now to the point where Steeler fans kind of expect it. You just have one or two of those games every year. Yep, we're going to play crappy against crappy teams. Although sometimes we use a word other than crappy. That's <laughs> frustrating. Okay. It, it is. I think another then thing is, too, we'll, now that we're approaching the quarter poll, you're just waiting for this. You, what have we heard about during training camp? How explosive this offense is. I haven't seen it yet. Other than Antonio Brown. I mean, other than that. I'll be honest with you. I don't think Roethlisberger is playing that well. No, I don't think so either. Um, Just wait for Lev Bell to get going. Bryant yeah, to but, get going. Yeah, but you know, when's, quote, Lev Bell going to get going? Exactly. It doesn't look like he's got anything going for him right now. Brown looks great. He's played really, really well. But you can't live on a wide receiver. you got to live in your quarterback. Well, I have told everybody forever. I mean, and I've never understood why why I've actually had people argue with me about this. Oh, Antonio Brown's the best player we have. No, the best player you've got is Ben Roethlisberger. Okay, Antonio Brown is completely helpless without Ben Roethlisberger. Completely helpless. 
Meanwhile, Roethlisberger is not completely helpless without Antonio Brown. I mean, it's not even it's not even a debate in my mind. If you remove Antonio Brown from the Steeler lineup, can you still win? Yes. If you remove Ben Roethlisberger for a season from the lineup, will you win? The answer is no. It's, it's actually it's actually pretty simple. I don't think it takes really a football genius to figure out which guy's the most valuable player and who needs whom more. Um. I mean, Brown played really well on Sunday. Did they win? No. No. All right. We'll take a break. Back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Was that a game winner? That was no field goal. Was that an extra point? <laughs> one of the most joyous extra points you'd ever hear if it was an extra point. My goodness, what what, what are we doing here? <laughs> I mean, do they ever score touchdowns? They sure do. Quite a few last week at Williamsport. Well, well then why don't they play some of those? They were great. <laughs> I mean, we're the only ones in the world that play promos of field goals in the second quarter. <laughs> I mean, what was that moment we just heard? I don't know. You, I'm asking you, what was it? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I have to listen to it again. Well, play it I, I didn't put. I didn't put it together. Well, let's play it back. You can bring it up on the computer. Yeah. Find it again. Okay. This will be great. <laughs> All right, Chicken Lucky Braves football is on News Radio 1070 WKOK and WKOK.com. Here comes a snap, set, 30 yard kick is up, high enough, long enough, drifting to the left, and it is good! Oh, a kick. Well, how about that? Maybe, did they kick in overtime? To the best of my knowledge, no. But they just had a touchdown. Okay, so. We're getting like the the like the end of the first quarter kick, and it's like that's the promo. Come on out and watch us kick field goals. <laughs> I'm just asking. No, I don't, put, <laughs> I don't put them together. I don't know. No, I don't either. I don't put them together either. We'll get we'll get to the bottom of it. You need to. I will. That's, that's now twice in the last three weeks that we've used field goals to. Promote our great broadcast. Award-winning, award-winning broadcast. I mean, no one calls field goals like we do. I mean, what? I mean, is that is that what we're submitting for an award? I'm just asking. I can't answer these. I'm not sitting there. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the big story today, and this is a whopper. It is a whopper, and that is the college basketball story. It is, this has all levels of wow to it. Anytime that the letters FBI are used, not good. So here it is. You've got four assistant basketball coaches that are implicated in this, you also have what apparently is the University of Louisville implicated in this. You also have allegedly Adidas in this. 
Okay, first group of charges. U.S. Attorney alleging that assistant coaches at Arizona, Auburn, Chuck Person, Oklahoma State, and USC took cash bribes in order to steer elite basketball players towards certain financial advisors and sports agents. The assistant's name, Chuck Person at Auburn, Emmanuel Richardson at Arizona, Lamont Evans at Oklahoma State, and Tony Bland at USC. In the second group of indictments and set of allegations... James Gatto, on behalf of an unnamed sportswear company, funneled six-figure payments to three players who, in exchange, committed to play for particular college programs affiliated with the company. Gatto is the director of global sports marketing for Adidas. This set of charges includes a reference to a, quote, public research university located in Kentucky that also happens to have 22,400 students. It doesn't take Wikipedia to figure out where it is. Could other charges be forthcoming against other programs and individuals? The answer is yes. It's supposed to be an ongoing investigation. Why is giving money to an assistant coach or a young basketball player against the law? Well, there's a lot of things that happen here. These are federal violations. These are federal statutes of bribery and wire fraud. That's why... This is not a small story. This is a gigantic story. And this is a story that has many, many levels to it. And this is just the beginning of it. We'll get into more of that in a bit. Matt Leon next. We'll talk about the great win by the Eagles on Sunday, this basketball story today is the story. Wow. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. That is a big story about. The name Adidas being linked in with assistant coaches and steering players and recruits going to schools that wear the brand. This date in sports history. 1919, the St. Louis Browns beat the Yankees 6-2 in a game that lasted 55 minutes. Thanks for coming to today's game. 1962, Maury Wills of the Dodgers became the first player to steal 100 bases in a season. He ended with 104. Fifth no-hitter for Nolan Ryan, the state, 1981, 5 nothing over the Dodgers. 1983, Australia 2 won the America's Cup. First time in 132 years the U.S. had lost the yacht race. ESPN carried it, got gigantic ratings. Now, I don't think anybody even hears the America's Cup anymore. They still contest it. Uh, 1998, home run 67-68 for Mark McGuire. Dennis Eckersley back with the Red Sox in 98, pitched in his 1,071st game. In 2012, the NFL Referees Association reached an agreement to end their referee lockout. Much to the joy of many out there, because it was a struggle. All right. 
on Sunday. What a win for the Eagles. We bring in Matt Leon, KYW in Philadelphia. Welcome, sir. Glad to be with you. What a win for them yesterday. A 61-yard field goal for the Philadelphia Eagles at the end. Tell us a little bit about the young man that went out and belted that thing. Um, he is the second kicker the Eagles have had this year. They started with Caleb Sturgis. He got hurt, so they signed Jake Elliott off the Bengals practice squad. Um, he's been up and down. Nothing special in his limited action until the the final kick yesterday, which uh, is one of the greatest field goals now in Eagles history. It was uh, quite a moment. He was he's got the uh, credentials. Out of Memphis, he was actually drafted in the fifth round this year by the Bengals. Uh, lost the battle for their kicking job, so he ended up on the practice squad, and that's when the Eagles grabbed him. And uh, he is now the toast of Philadelphia. I can imagine uh, that he would be. Uh, let's. Uh, I want to get to uh, Carson Wentz, though. Here it is in his second year. What about the poise with which he plays with where, you know, the Giants got some momentum in this thing, and then he kind of turned it around for them. Oh, absolutely. I thought when the Giants took the lead on the long touchdown to Shepard, I thought there was no way the Eagles were going to stem the momentum and turn things around. I thought this had Giants win written all over it. Uh, They seemed dead in the water. And he led them down the field. Uh, Got the break with a – or not a break, but uh, they get a big play uh, with a Giants penalty on a pass interference. Sets up a a Corey Clement touchdown. But uh, he led them down. Uh, what kind of has gotten lost in the shuffle was Wentz completed a 19-yard pass to Alshon Jeffrey to uh, set up the 61-yard field goal. Uh, that was a, a big throw in a big spot. Uh, it led Jeffrey right out of bounds to stop the clock with one second left. Uh, didn't have big numbers yesterday, but uh, it played well, didn't make mistakes, and uh, as you said, late in the game, showed poise to be able to to, to stem the tide and uh, help the Eagles get their footing again and uh, eventually win the game. Let's uh, discuss Corey Clement for a moment. Penn State fans familiar with him because he played so well in the Big Ten Championship game, broke off the big run, very talented player. Then there's Jawan Johnson, and Jawan Johnson, of course, was his high school teammate. And I said, what was that like? He said, well, he says every time he turned around, I had to block for him all the time in high school. Uh, but uh, a little bit about him, and has he been a pleasant surprise for Eagles fans? He hadn't done – this was actually the first time he got a real taste of game action. He was a big story in training camp. Uh, obviously, as a South Jersey kid, went to Glassboro High School. Uh, you know, early in training camp, because he was a local kid, uh, had more than his fair share of attention, I think, people. Uh, but I don't think a lot of people thought he might make the roster. Right. And he just continued to impress, continued to impress. Uh, he makes the team. And uh, they finally, this past you know, yesterday, after they struggled so much running the ball against the Chiefs, uh, they, they really committed to the run. He was part of it. Uh, and he's going to probably be a bigger part going forward, not just because he had success, but Darren Sproles is now lost for the season uh, after breaking his forearm and tearing his ACL on oh. the same play, uh, which the the odds of that are, are incredible. But uh, so they're, that's a big hole for the Eagles to fill. I mean, punt returner, best receiving back, and, um, you know, maybe running back 1A along with LeGarrette Blunt. So it's going to be interesting to see how they – divvy up the workload moving forward, but uh, I think you're going to see more and more of Corey Clement here. Uh, I want to get to Sproles, just a quick tribute to him. Here's a guy that uh, came out of Kansas State, between the Saints, now the Eagles. 
Is it safe to say in a lot of ways he really has maximized his talent in the league with a really good run? Oh, no question about it. I don't know that there's been a – I, I mean, you, is, you talk about yeah. the the all-purpose threat. I mean, you probably got to go back to the, 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 the best all-purpose threat since, what, Brian Mitchell? Yeah, Brian, Brian Mitchell, and then decades ago, I mean, I know Jack has uh, Jack Ham has talked about when they used to face a guy at New England named Mac Heron, who had all mm-hmm. those all-purpose yards, who was not big in stature, but could make plays, and you had to find him. They're, they're difficult yeah. guys to find, and Sproles in the pass game is brilliant. He's brilliant. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, I mean, I don't know if he will, but if I were in the room, I think you can make a very strong case for Darren Sproles as a Hall of Famer. <laughs> I really do. Mm-hmm. You look at the effect he had on games and what he did. I mean, running the ball was probably the least uh, his least effective simply because he didn't get it a ton over his career. But the pass catching, the punt returning, the kick returning, uh, and the effect he had on defensive game plans, uh, it's been an incredible career. I mean, I, I think it's – I talk like this because I think it's it's – a possibility that his career could be done because there were some rumors about retirement and this this might be his last year and yeah. you know an ACL that's a tall hill to climb at 34 35 uh so it would not surprise me at all if uh unfortunately Darren Sproles that play where he got hurt is the last play of his career oh, boy that's a hard way to go out because he's given yep. so much to the game uh defensively through three games pro and con on the Eagles defense um, I think the pro is the pass rush. Even though they didn't have any sacks yesterday, Eli Manning was getting rid of the football obscenely quickly out of the pocket, and you could tell it was by design because the Giants' offensive line has been so so, so bad that they worked hard to get him out. But I think that the pass rush is something that's going to be there week in and week out. Uh, another thing I think you like, you're seeing some of the young cornerbacks come of age. Now they struggled the second half of the fourth quarter yesterday. I think they, uh, they got tired because of the heat and also the Eagles were pretty beat up defensively, losing Fletcher Cox, Jordan Hicks, Rodney McLeod. They had a lot of guys out by the end of that game and, uh, it really started to show. But I think you're seeing the young cornerbacks get better. Uh, I think there's a lot to like uh, on the defense. I think uh, that could be a unit that that ends up being being special. Um, you know, I, I, on the negative, you know, you'd like a, a little bit more. As much as the young cornerbacks have improved and opened your eyes, you'd like to see more consistency. And uh, you know, they've been pretty good against the run. The Giants didn't do anything on the run yesterday. Of course, the Giants don't run the ball well against anyone. No, they but. Uh, no, they don't even try. And I feel like they've had the same stable of running backs for like a decade now, and they've never addressed it. But that's a different discussion for a different day. But uh, I think a lot to like for the Eagles. That was a big win yesterday. I mean, yeah. you know, it's big because you win the way they did. But that's a division win. You might have already put a stake in the Giants. I mean, I know it's early, but 0-3, 0-2 in the division, that's well, tough to come back from. It was very difficult to come back from. The Giants played better yesterday, but they needed to win the game. Uh, the Eagles now hit the road, and they go to Los Angeles before the uh, family and friends crowd at the StubHub Center. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's a totally different deal for them, but they've got to go out there and play, and it's going to be interesting to see what their reaction is to playing in the atmosphere out there. Oh, yeah, no question about it. And, you know, going east to west, uh, I don't think it's crazy to think they could be a little flat coming off a division win like that, uh, playing against a Chargers team that has struggled. Uh, it, it could be a bit of a trap game. You've got Arizona the week after here. 
so it'll be something to see. I think it will be, if they can find a way next week, it'll be another kind of step uh, that they're able to, to not just win the big division game in dramatic fashion, but then follow that up against a, te- a game in against a team that is, uh, you know, uh, not a team that's a rival or anything like that, a non-conference game, and, uh, you know, traveling a lot. So we'll, we'll wait and see. It'll be interesting to see how the matchup develops during the week. It's interesting because they have to play twice at Los Angeles. they got the Rams later in the year, too, uh, yeah. out there. But after, the, after this week, the Eagles then have seven of their next 12 at home because they've only played the one. Yesterday's the only home game they've had. Yeah, no, absolutely. They opened at Washington and then at Kansas City, and then there'll be this one at the Chargers. No, if you can, that's, if you can find a way to, to scrape through this and be three and one after playing three of four on the road, uh, at least on paper, it sets up, it really sets up nicely for you. And we talked about the Giants being 0 and 2 in the division, and the Eagles are now 2 and 0 in the division. And one, and, you know, they've gone, now you're a third through your division schedule already. It's kind of weird to think of it like that, but, uh, that's, that those are big steps you've taken by winning those two games. No question, and the schedule I think plays to them favorably at least for a little bit because you know they've got this game with the Chargers. Okay, I, I like the Eagles in that spot. And then you got the Carolina Panthers. They're not generating anything offensively. You like them in that spot. You got the Forty ers at home. Like them in that spot. You know they got the Bears at home. You like them in that spot. I mean, you, you know, <laughs> we can go into how the Steelers don't. It, how about the Steelers playing down to teams? <laughs> we can get into that maybe, but still, they've got some very favorable matchups for them coming up if they can keep things steady. Oh yeah, no question about it. And you know, if they, if they can continue to consistent play out of the defense, and Carson Wentz can just continue to take steps, you know, they're going to have more often than not the better quarterback on the field. Yes. Uh, and when you can do that, and you can play some defense, you know, you're going to win your fair share of games in the NFL. Matt, always a pleasure. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Matt Leon, KYW in Philadelphia. Back with more in a moment. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mirth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. We were talking to the suit during the break. Evidently, they've got a great call of a fair catch from the game the other night. (laughs) Kevin, in all fairness, Kevin has zero to do with the promos. Zero, except the fact they're using his play-by-play. So zero. That's why we can kid around with him a little bit. Mark Mark puts together the promos. Kevin had like 82 great calls the other night. I think Mark's trying to sabotage the guy. I do. You know? 
Uh, what, what is Shikalemi now? Three and one, four and four and one, three and one. Uh, Shikalemi is now three, three and two, three and two. Shikalemi three and two, and they head to Shimokin Friday night. It bothers me when the play-by-play guy in the background has to guess. No, no, wait a minute. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, we both looked at each other. Three and one. No, wait, no, three and two. <laughs> What's Danville's record? I know right away. All right, okay, and then they're at Shimokin, right? Danville is four and one. Okay, well, yeah, I knew that one right away. Uh, and they're at Shemokin Friday night, correct? That is correct, at Kemp on Friday night, so. Yeah, that's an interesting game. Mm-hmm. A lot of interesting games. I tell you, that Sealands Grove game is going to pay dividends over and over. That's going to be the gift that keeps on giving. You know that? Absolutely. Sealands Grove's really good. They win that game. It's an emotional game. They play great. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of back in 2000. Penn State was playing played Kentucky at Rupp Arena. It was the opening game, the 25th season of Rupp Arena being opened up. 25th season. Penn State went in there and beat them. Then the rest of the year, Kentucky played like Kentucky, which meant you know they won the SEC, the whole thing. And I remember I kept referring to it as the gift that keeps on giving because on the RPI, I just kept making it look good. Every single week it happened. And it gave them a lot of confidence. And I think it, you know, obviously, I mean, Kevin would know better than we would. He's around it all the time. But, I mean, I'm going to guess Shikolimi got a lot of confidence out of that game. No, they they this close to beating Williamsport. I mean, they could have parlayed back-to-back wins and get crucial bonus points for, you know, for the district playoff, you know, standings there, you know, with, with Williamsport being a Class 6 team. You know, that would have, you know, right. keep the momentum going. But the, right. Yeah. Well, no, they had a chance to get back on track here. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're good. They're obviously good. Uh, I mean, you know, the team befits the broadcast. All right, so. <laughs> and the Seals got Jersey Shore, so you're talking two other. You're talking mm, two other. Game. That's a huge game, too, with uh, some ramifications on the line, too, in uh, District 4 Quad A yeah. coming up Friday night. So It does. That's interesting. And you got Mentoursville. Very rare that Mentoursville's 0-5 on the year. Last time yeah. that happened. They're coming down to Lewisburg. Lewisburg's got a two-game losing streak. So find out who wants that one. Who wants that one bad enough on Friday night. Right. Exactly. All right. Uh, the big story of the day happens to be with the federal charges uh, around basketball. And this is... <sighs> there are layers to this that go... Be, it's going to take a while to sort through. If this is what they say it is, and they've investigated it right, this is one heck of an investigation to get through all the layers to get there. So, let's point out that there are four assistant coaches named in this. Auburn's Chuck Person, Oklahoma State's Lamont Evans, Arizona's Book Richardson, and USC's Tony Bland. Okay. Now, are you asking, is that the end? The answer is no. This is an ongoing investigation. It's not over. There might be others. All right. For the 10 charged men, uh, June Kim, the acting U.S. 
attorney for the Southern District of New York at a press conference said today, for the 10 charged men, the madness of college basketball went well beyond the big dance in March. Month after month, the defendants exploited the hoop dreams of student-athletes around the country, allegedly treating them as little more than opportunities to enrich themselves through bribery and fraud schemes. So you're asking, is it illegal to do the way? It's the bribery and the fraud. And the fact that some of this took place over you know over state lines so you have a long this is a long list if you're asking you know, is it is it illegal actually to give money when bribery and fraud is involved yes uh auburn said in a statement the person is suspended without pay effective immediately uh evans was also suspended but with pay by oklahoma state uh no word on what lynn swan's doing with usc he did make a statement about that NCAA spokeswoman Gail Dent, when asked for a statement from the NCAA, said nothing on this end. We'll let you know if that changes, because they're not the investigative body. So um, you're gonna. My guess is the NCAA found out today, like everybody else went, whoa, because this is an FBI investigation. All right, other people named James Gatto, director of global sports marketing at Adidas. Merle Code recently left Nike for Adidas. Christian Dawkins, an NBA agent who was fired in May from ASM Sports for charging approximately $42,000 in Uber charges on a player's credit card. Must have been some ride. Jonathan Brad Augustine, president of the League Initiative and program director of the Adidas-sponsored One Family AAU program. Manush Sud, a financial advisor. Rashawn Michelle, former NBA official who founded Thompson Bespoke Clothing, a custom clothier for athletes. Lewis Martin Marty uh, Blazer III, former Pittsburgh financial advisor who was accused of swindling $2.35 million from five clients by the Securities and Exchange Commission, Commission is the cooperating witness who helped the FBI in the investigation of the basketball coaches and other defendants, according to the U.S. Department of Justice documents obtained by ESPN. Blazer, who founded Blazer Capital Management, was accused of investing money into movies and entertainment ventures without his client's knowledge between 2010 and 2012. As part of the plea agreement with the U.S. Attorney's Office, Blazer agreed to plead guilty to securities fraud, aggravated identity theft, false statements and documents, and two counts of wire fraud according to the September 19th cooperation agreement I mean the layers of this are wow 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 and wow Okay, the FBI complaint against Gatto and others include a reference to a quote public research university located in Kentucky Interim President Gregory Postal confirmed in a statement today that that university is Louisville. They are identified in the document as University 6, which includes payments of $100,000 from a sports apparel company to the family of the unnamed player, described as Player 10. And by the way, we also know who Player 10 is, by the way, which we'll tell you about a little bit. Your home for the Phillies. News Radio 1070 WKOK and WKOK.com. This is WKOK Sunbury.